Been a long time. Got a buddy of mine, Ryan Johansson here. Uh, just want to start off with a couple things. First, don't forget to check out my online store. It's uh, through the my Instagram link. I'll also leave it in the description on there. But it's got my J bands. It's got my flush bands. We've got the the new edition of the the um, oat specialties. Um, company uh, with the tap weighted balls. I've also got my awesome shirts on there. Got a bunch more new stuff coming out, so check that out. I'll have a link in the description. Uh, Emerald Coast Baseball Academy stuff, aka Cutter Nation. Got Ryan Johansson here from Chicago. Ryan, how you doing? Doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me on. No problem, man. No problem. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, doing a little late one here, but you know we're knocking out the first one, reviving the podcast. I'm, I'm excited. It's in. I think it's been almost two years since I've done it. So I'm excited to really get it back going again because I was such big into podcasting four or five years. I'm still into it now. Um, but it seems like it's kind of turning into something decent that we're, you know, the baseball community, people are getting together and want to share information. So um, go ahead and tell everybody about where you're from and uh, what you're doing now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, first of all, in terms of it being late night, you know, uh, our thing is work wins, man. So uh, we don't we don't turn off the impact, right? So uh, late nights get it done. Um but anyways, uh, like you said, my name is Ryan Johansson. Um, I played, uh, uh, obviously, uh, um, college baseball at uh, UPG. Um, very short career, uh, tore, my, uh, tore my labrum, unfortunately, um, and got back into coaching with uh, uh, Aurora University and Judson University, kind of around, um, kind of around some other uh, part-time stuff, obviously, as you know, when you're in that, uh, in that realm, you're doing every, anything and everything to uh, stay alive. So, um, now I've uh, been blessed with being able to make an impact on um, players from all ages up through the college level and whatnot. Um, obviously, this mass influx of technology has really driven um, a lot of what we do, a lot of data-driven stuff with hitting, um, a lot of data-driven uh, impact with pitching. I'm huge on arm care. I'm, I love the fact that you're pushing the J-bands and the flush bands and all the arm care stuff that you're taking care of on your store. So um, that's awesome because obviously cutting my career short, it's uh, pretty important to me. So glad to see guys like you really stepping up. And um, it's hard to run a store, man. You got to – there's a lot to it. So um, being able to do that for the players that you're impacting, that's awesome. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's it's uh, fun to me. It's it's uh, I'm currently still active playing. You know, thank you. Thank the Lord, you know, I've just been working real hard and uh, actually still playing down here in Mexico. We're uh, on the road right now. I'm in the lobby, you know, just keeping this thing alive. So this is, you know, it's kind of a funny thing where we get going. But, yeah, um, uh, you, probably, you don't know me very well, but uh, the whole reason why I started this whole thing and putting out good information is uh, I actually broke my elbow in college with a month left of my senior season and um, had an 80% stress fracture and uh, pretty much – took me six to nine months for them to figure out what was even wrong. You know, the doctors these days, or even back then, I mean, I'm 31, this was 10 years ago. So eight, eight or nine years ago, anyway, um, they, you know, it was a big thing where it's all about um, uh, rehab first. We don't want to do an MRI or anything. I was at a small division two school. Um, and I actually had a, a, you know, I personally thought it was Tommy John because I heard the click, I threw a pitch, the ball went 10 feet, there was an issue. You know, came out of the game, and then uh, things just didn't work out exactly how the doctors and the trainers wanted to. So it was it it turned into this big like figure out what is wrong with me situation. So after two surgeries and three years of no baseball, I've worked my way all the way back to playing professional baseball. Now I am not in the states, and the funny thing is that down here I hear all the time is people tell me, 
you know, you've never played affiliated baseball, and no, I, ne I never have. I played a, a couple of years independent in uh, the Pecos League, if you ever heard of that thing, but that's pretty much what got me to start. And then I started understanding what networking was and then started shaking hands and asking questions. And then next thing I know, head down to the uh, Mexican minor leagues and, and just having a blast. And now I'm in the Mexican big leagues and played winter ball this past year. It's been great. Um, so yeah, it's, that's really been my thing is arm care. That's why I've got into the J bands and contacted these guys and started my own business of, of putting out good information. Uh, you know, I want to give people the information that they need to stay healthy throughout the year and how to fix things. Uh, there's a lot of things that I've learned through trainers or physical therapists that people think they have to go to the doctor as soon as they're hurt. You know, and now there's this YouTube generation where people put stuff out, you know, trying to, hey, do this, do that, um, you know, to try to help yourself and fix where you're at. And I'm a, you know, a big believer in, in, you know, if you can figure out what to do to stay healthy more often, then you're gonna be able to train more, throw more, hit more, whatever you're gonna do to get better. And that's going to keep you on the field longer to be able to, you know, play this awesome game, best game in the world. So I appreciate those words from you. Um, so you're in Chicago, right? Yes, we're in the western suburbs of Chicago. Um, we, uh, our facility right now is out of St. Charles, Illinois. Um, so uh, lots of lots of good uh, lots of good uh, baseball um, around this area, right up and down the uh, the road that, that we're particularly on. Lots of good. It feels like sometimes there's a facility every uh, every town over. <laughs> it's got their own one here in the Midwest, man, where everything's indoors. Yeah, that's that's, that's huge for, I mean, I'm, I grew up in Northwest Florida. It, unfortunately, when you get out of school when I was growing up, from 2.30 to 4, it was raining. And then, the, you know, it's humid. The rain's not going anywhere. I grew up in a small seasonal town which I ended up moving to San Diego for just because the business was so bad where people didn't understand how to train year round. Uh, little Johnny wants to go to college and plays college baseball, but mom and dad don't understand that you have to train year round. And if he plays football, basketball, and baseball, he's not going to be a good baseball player. It's just not going to work that way. You're competing with kids who are playing year round, or even if you go with the world where people are training year round just for the sport, you know, but, there's these articles that came out recently where, you know, multi-sport athletes get more attention, blah, blah, blah. But I think if the more I read that, when I looked at it, it to me, it sounded like the football play coaches and basketball coaches wanted multi-sport athletes. Now, the baseball coaches, I think it's too skilled to win the game. You can help me here on what you think your opinion is. Uh, I don't, I've never seen a kid that I've worked with that plays three sports that's been able to pick up a baseball bat or a baseball and jump right in and be dominant. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. I think the context of the multi-sport athlete makes a ton of sense. You want a guy who hasn't beaten the, you know, the heck out of his body in the same way over and over and over and over again. But these MLB coaches and these Division One coaches, they're really recruiting the best athletes overall. They're taking the guy who's 6'9 and throws the ball 91 miles an hour, who's never pitched before and doesn't even know how to pitch. He's just big and strong. And they have the luxury to do that. But the guy who's Dust Bedroya size, who, uh, you know, has to really work hard, I think you hit it right in the head. What about the guy who really wants to go and play college baseball and he wants to, you know, go and be the best he can be, but he's stuck playing, you know, dribbling a basketball or trying to shoot three, you know, a three-pointer. If that guy doesn't compete with the guys who are naturally gifted, you know, he's got no chance. So the context to me of I want multi-sport athletes 
is when you're picking from the cream of the crop and you're getting a guy, you know, to go to Michigan because he's, you know, like, you know, six, eight or six, seven or whatever, and throws 91, but he can't throw a strike or hit the broad side of a barn. Their, their goal is to try to develop him. Um, you know, you have the luxury to do that, but if you're six foot, you know, and a buck 80, you got a lot of work to do and you got to make sure that you're competing, finding some way to be better than those guys. You know, the, the more adversity that you have or the more size issues that you have or whatever it is, like you got to work twice as hard. You know, if you have uh, any kind of uh, debilitating medical issue, you know, like yourself, you broke your elbow. And if you didn't put in three times, four times as much work as somebody who was just trying to, you know, go through it, it wouldn't work for it, you know, like work wins. So um, I'm totally on board with that. I think that that's a way overplayed, um, a way overplayed statement that really confuses a lot of people who under the premise that if you play basketball and football and baseball, that you're all of a sudden going to be the next Bo Jackson or the next Neon Sanders, the next Ken Griffey Jr. or whatever. Um, you know, that's, this just doesn't work that way. Um, totally agree with the whole skilled, you know, aspect of it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's um, a funny story. Buddy of mine's a, a, a high school coach in uh, the San Diego area and uh, literally had a kid not play freshman baseball because they need to work on his 60 time. So he ran track and the kid was good. Like no big deal was a pitcher, but they wanted to have him run track to get ready for his summer team. Now I can kind of understand that to the point because I mean, we'll get into recruiting later, and, and the, the whole recruiting game's changed completely on stuff. But I still think you got to play the game. I think one of the biggest things that, that bothers me with all of this perfect game stuff, all that stuff, is when you're recruiting kids, like, the guys that win, like, win the game and understand how to play the game, those are the ones that are going to be successful the longest. Those are the ones that are going to be leaders that you don't have to tell what to do or undo stuff. But the guys that – you know, on paper are the, you know, uh, what's his name from, from Moneyball, you know, uh, you know, one paper where, where 97 ran a 6-3 and, you know, drop bombs, you know, like those freak athletes, but they don't know the game. They don't know how to play the game wisely. That's, that's really what, what I see with stuff. So I agree with you there too on, on stuff. It, it kind of bothers me when I get, I still get phone calls from clients in Florida where people are like, uh, okay, um, uh, this kid uh, played football a year, and he got bigger and stronger, and he played football to get bigger and stronger. But, you know, he uh, was throwing 82 as a freshman, but now as a junior, he's 75. What happened? I'm like, did he stop throwing? They're like, yeah, well, the coach told him that he needed to uh, uh, rest his arm. And I'm like, you played a high school season. Was it 26 games, 28? Like, you played twice a week? Like, I'm, I'm sure the kid's fine, you know? And so it's just one of those things that where bad information goes around, and, you know, you got these schools that – they want their best athletes to win championships because high school championships mean everything in the world, you know? So, <laughs> so uh, um, anyway, so you touched on some technology things. Um, you're a big believer in technology. I'm obviously, we're communicating via the internet here on some video chat from America to Mexico. You, what do you think in your facility, is there a piece of technology or anything that you've seen online that you feel like really helps um, your athletes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think what what biokinetics have done and, um, you know, there's a variety of different tools out there to help each individual player, um, you know, 
develop their own swing under their natural flow. We kind of obviously know sequential hitting or sequential pitching, things like that. Um, you know, what should happen in the body versus freeze frame images, which was like my generation, like my generation was, Hey, let's freeze frame this picture of Greg Maddox and freeze frame this picture of Mark Pryor and freeze frame this picture of this guy. And then it was the what um, based off of like, you know, the technology we had then, or which really isn't even true because in 1996, you had people, you know, in the Brewers organization already doing this stuff. And, um, you know, we were just that far behind. So anyways, in 2004, we were working with freeze frames and that was like a big deal for us. And it was the what to get to, like, this is the spot you're supposed to get to. So the what versus the technology that we have helps us with the how, and that's all the slow motion technology, the 10,000 frames per second. We can look at Mike Trout and it doesn't matter what he says, or, you know, Jim Tomey, you know, was another recent one, Chipper Jones. And then we can actually look at the, not necessarily the what they're saying or what they're, what parts they get to, but how they get to those parts and how that can work for, um, and how that can work for, all of our hitters alone. So I think slow motion technology and the ease of access to it combined with the apps that we have um, in the kinetics and things like hit tracks, right? Like hit tracks is a huge piece of technology. We can literally track every swing, compare it to a video. Hey, this is on this swing. You hit it this far at this launch angle. Here's the video of what it looked like. So you can get instant feedback, um, you know, on what you're trying to do. So obviously not every facility has that yet, but I think that's going to play a huge role of, you know, in developing swings in the future. That's really at some point, the mechanics, I don't think are, are going to be different. I think at some point, I don't know if it's going to take two years, five years, 10 years, but the hitting mechanics for what the strategy is, is, is going to come full circle. Now the game changes, of course, if all of a sudden they say, Hey, you know, we want to change this game again. We want to move the fences back to 500 feet because there's way too many home runs. We want to put the Astro turf back down, you know, ground balls become, you know, much more effective than, you know, at the end of the day. But if the game stays the same as it is at some point, the technology, I think is going to catch up with all the coaches to all, at least all the best players who are doing it. And that's going to trickle down and the mechanics aspect is going to be the same. So there's going to be a lot of mental stuff, a lot of approach things, and then a lot of the how is what's going to set the hitting coaches apart. But there's so many, you know, hitting coaches online, man. Like it's, you know, the the stuff that you see, it's – and everybody's teaching pretty similar stuff and just throwing different verbs around. You know, what verb are we going to use to just to make our point, to throw the context, you know, in there. And then obviously the old school guys or I don't know, not even old school, but just, um, you know, the different approaches of what they're trying to get kids to do with, different strategies, I suppose, um, saying, you know, you do want to hit the top half of the ball to hit a line driver or whatever. It's, I, you know, I think that's so, uh, just doesn't make any sense. Like it's, it's, there's no logic behind it. And I'm, I'm the kid who, who was taught that, right? Like I like bought in, I was like, yeah, man, swing down, great backspin. I totally get it. Make the ball spin. Like it's yeah, for sure. Like it's like ping pong, like not at all. You know, ping pong is a flat, a flat, you know, object against the, you know, a round ball. It's totally different. I, I remember being in high school, just totally buying into that. And then, you know, being upset when I would hit a ground ball and obviously excited when you hit the ball up and you look at the video and you're like, Oh man, I dropped my shoulder too much. Imagine how far I could have hit that ball. Like, yeah, I went 10 feet over the fence, but man, like if I didn't drop my back shoulders, like dude, relax. Like if it goes 10 feet over the fence, do that again. Like <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I, I totally, totally agree. I'm, 
I was uh, I was a decent hitter in high school, but it, the concepts and all this stuff about swing down and everything, it, it reminded me of that um, that really funny, uh, um, there was a thing, one of the World Series ago, I think it was not this past World Series, the World Series before, but A-Rod was in doing like a hitting thing. And it was all over the internet where everybody was just blowing him up. He was talking about, oh no, maybe it was Chipper. I think it was Chipper. And they, um, they were talking about, it was Chipper. Because they were talking about Chipper was like talking about swinging down, hitting the top half, catching it, blah, blah, blah. And then I want to say maybe like a week ago, someone put a video up in front of him and be like, Chipper, this was your swing. And he was such a Ferris wheel, get behind it early, lift guy. And even thinking, I've been to Atlanta, like Atlanta's a graveyard. And he was, him and Brian McCann launch balls in right field all the time. And just thinking about how much power he put into the ball and, and absolutely let it go. And then the whole swing down thing, the ball would go up. It made sense to a point to me, but then as a pitcher, like if you, if you there's something I learned recently. Uh, if you practice swing before you get in the, um, the, the uh, box and I see it and I see you swing down, I'm just gonna throw you fastballs away, and once you roll over it, the shortstop, like it's not gonna be a hard thing. Like, if you expose what your swing is to me before I even get in there, then I'm not gonna have a problem. Now, if I leave it up, obviously you're gonna hit a line drive, you're gonna be happy about it, think you're good, but you don't know what you're doing, and you're gonna keep swinging down. Like, you're not gonna hurt me that much. I'll give up a single all day as long as the run doesn't score. I'm fine, you know. So I think I, I like what you're saying about that. I, I got a, another client back in Florida that, that I communicate with. He's a catcher, and I. Once you figure out that doubles and home runs get you paid and whatever aspect that you want, that, that, that that's what you're trying to do. It's really just going to make you a better hitter if you understand to hit the ball as far as you can, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's the, the odds and the law of averages and whatnot. Um, who is it, Justin Turner, that said – uh, you know, if he flies out four times a game, he's happy because he didn't hit a ground ball. You know, he, he gave himself a chance. And, and then it's just understanding the context of failure. It's I think all, a lot of that comes from hit the top half because you got a lot of the ball to work with. If you miss underneath, I think most people, when they miss, they, they miss underneath. Um, unless you're obviously, you know, really throwing the off speed. Maybe you have a better, uh, different um, – different aspect of that as a pitcher, making guys miss over the top, um, you know, especially if you're throwing that cutter. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, so when you're saying get on top, hit the center of the ball, you're really trying to just, it's like a dartboard, you know, like, hey, hit the dead middle. And if you miss, you're at least going to make contact because I think coaches probably more than players and maybe even more than parents are terrified if they're a hitting coach or if they're a coach of a team and their team strikes out a lot they're they, they take that like very personally, like they didn't do their job in, you know, developing these players and they don't understand the context of, of failure. You know, if you get a guy to fly out as a pitcher and nobody's on base, whether you strike him out or make him fly out, if anything, he probably made you throw more pitches if he strikes out. So, you know, from that aspect of it, like an out is an out is an out. And they're so terrified of striking out. They're so terrified of popping out because God knows that, you know, second baseman is not going to drop a pop fly in the infield. The right fielder is not going to drop a pop fly in the outfield because we never see outfielders make errors. We never see fly balls, you know, get dropped. But if you get the ball on the ground, he's got to, you know, bobble it or he can make a throw. And then it's all about, you know, getting on base, so to speak, which is such like a backwards thought. Like the foundation of your strategy should not be, make them make a mistake. The foundation of your strategy should be, I'm a boss and go ahead and throw me your best pitch. and I'm going to dominate it. You know, <laughs> Exactly. I'm a boss. I like that. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's, 
it's just so funny when I hear people. I mean, I don't do a lot of hitting lessons. Uh, I try to, when I'm back, I got a buddy back in, in San Diego that I pass them off to. But just on these simple philosophies, when I do talk to parents or, you know, I've gone to a couple games and watched a pitcher throw and he's a two, he's a two-way guy, whatever. And then, you know, and uh, I'll report back to my buddy and I'm like, yo, your kid can't hit. Like, my, he can he can pitch, but he can't hit with anything. And he's like, well, what happened? You know, and I'll explain it to him. And I'm like, I'm like, he got jammed and hit four weak ground balls to the second baseman. You know, and he's like, well, why don't, why, why did he do that? I'm like, I don't know. You're the hitting coach. You know, I'll let you handle that. You know, like, that's not my, I, I was just there to support him. He was on the mound also, you know. So it's just, it, it's, it's, if logically when you start thinking about how all this stuff's put together and what the, what the plan is on stuff, I mean, you know, there's a couple statistics in, in hitting that I keep hearing thrown around. You know, you get your exit velocities and all your, your launch angles and your stuff. And it's just funny to me how the game is evolving and, and the technology is picking up the hit tracks. You know, uh, I watch Driveline and watch a lot of their videos and some of the other people that put their hit track stuff out. And I love it because it's just, you know, it's a way to train and get information back without, you know, having to go to a field and, and you know, you can pick the different big league fields in that thing, which is kind of cool. And then, um, you know, on the flip side, you got this uh, new thing, Rap Sato, I think that's how you say it, uh, the pitching side of it. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's the giving you your spin rates, your VLOs and all this stuff, you know, a little bit of a, more of expensive piece of technology. But I think the value that you get from it, from training, from all kinds of stuff that you're doing is, is really going to help you, you know, be realistic with understanding where you're at in your training. You know, I think that, um, you know, you're, you're a little bit more into the lessons and stuff like that. But, you know, when I when I try to tell kids, you know, I'm a big throw hard, like velocity gets you in the door, you know, your pitches after that and getting out is what is going to keep you there. And so I have to tell kids all the time that, that, you know, you know, they tell me little Johnny's got a nasty changeup or a nasty hook. And I'm like, well, how hard does he throw? They're like 83. I'm like, well, that, that's not it. That's not going to get you there. Like that's, you know, you gotta, you have to build up from that. And then when I tell them how much work, that it takes and all the stuff you need to do to get there, then it becomes an oh, oh well his arm can't handle this and handle that. And I'm like, well, you know, let's just let's just try it. And then it's a constant process of, you know, uh, I love the Jaeger guys. They they put out a um, a great thing talking about if you think of your arm as a as a bank account, and every time you're doing your bands or you're lifting or you're rehabbing or massaging or or whatever you're doing, you're depositing positive energy into that account. And every time you throw and max effort, let it fly. Uh, then you're, you know, you're withdrawing from the account. So you never want your account to be negative. When it's negative, that's where you're going to have issues. So I love that analogy. I try to pass that along to, to whoever is trying to throw, you know, throw hard and get there. But it just doesn't happen. You know, the people that, that you know, uh, that just think that, that you can just wake up and throw 90 miles an hour, it just, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, if someone, there's a lot of hard work and stuff that's going into the game now that, you know, it, I think the term natural is, is kind of dead because, if you really know what an everyday process goes into it, it's it's completely, you know, it's it's not even close to what people think it is. You know, the when the camera's not on you and you don't know what's happening, it's a whole other game. So I mean, do you run into any issues like where people are unrealistic with their where they're at, not necessarily their expectations, but where they're at, you know, in their training and, and not understanding, you know, if you were to step on the field tomorrow and in uh, you know, like even a professional game. Like I always try to compare everything to big leagues. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I never try to coach down to kids. Um, and it's tough because from a lesson standpoint, when the kid walks in the door, 
I don't always have the ability to, um, to be able to know everything about them. So the context of what they're looking for or their expectations, I try to develop that as quickly as possible to get into the training aspect. Um, but if they're, if they're coming to me to the season now, right. And they say something along the lines of, Hey, I just haven't been hitting, uh, you know, I, I'm going to sign up for a half hour lesson. You know, can you, can you fix it? And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what your issue is. Is it, is it confidence? Is it, is it rhythm? Is it timing? Is it mechanics overall? Like how broken are you? Um, you know, or do you just need to relax up there? Like, I know. So it's, it's funny to me that if a kid can leave with confidence, um, you know, just from a half hour lesson, because he hit well and can go and, and then he can translate that into the game and stay loose in the game. And sometimes it helps him. But no, I, I totally agree with you. And Nick Saban, um, I don't know if you heard this recently, he basically said, like, if you want to be good, like, you limit your choices. Like, you don't have a choice. The process and the path has been, has been laid out by the people before you and the people who are doing it already. They're doing twice as much as you are. They're lifting all the time. They're doing this. So instead of watching Netflix or instead of, um, you know, doing whatever, you're watching YouTube videos. And one of the best hitters I have probably sends me more videos than I send him. And I think that that's awesome because that tells me he's learning. So like he sends me all, and it's always a different pro, right? Like, Hey, this helped me like understand this concept that we were talking about the other day. And this was the guy you brought up. And so I went and like looked for three hours on, you know, particular hitter for this concept. And now I get it so much more. And I'm like, that's great because I can give you all the information in the world. I can tell you all the secrets, so to speak, but if you don't execute them, it doesn't matter. You, you know, uh, you and I were talking about Gary Vaynerchuk earlier and that's, that's exactly it. Like, you know, we can, we can read his books and do whatever he says it on all of his videos, right? Like you can read my, my pictures and you can listen to me talk, but if you don't go execute, it doesn't matter. And, um, you know, in terms of like where they're at in their training, I'm, I'm totally, uh, it's, it's tough and people are definitely unrealistic, especially the people who walk in and, you know, you've got kids that they're trying to compete with that literally train year round. They have a private uh, train coach. They do in-season training, summer training, off-season training. Like they want to be the best. They hit all the time, not just with me. They more use me as, or, you know, or, um, you know, I work with another guy as well. Uh, um, you know, they more use us as, you know, a refresher hey, I'm on to the next step. What's next? And, you know, we've got different packages set up for those guys. Like I, and I'm, and I like to think about it. Somebody gave me the analogy that we were like a chiropractor, you know, today, like every time they come in our job from like a business perspective is to be like, Hey, you need a little bit more adjusting. Like, let's make this consistent, you know? And I don't want to, I really don't want to be like that, which might not be a good business strategy. Like I want to be the, the doctor, the chiropractor says, Hey, let's get you fixed. Let's get you on your road. And let me give you stuff to do at home. And if you want it that badly, you'll go do it. And then if you need to touch up, or if you want to move on to the next phase, that's great. And I think that's where like some of our online hitting programs and being able to connect with people over video and technology. And so they don't have to come and spend, you know, they don't have to drive 45 minutes to our facility because we're, you know, the only place in the area that's teaching what we're teaching right now. Um, and see us and then drive, you know, see us for 30 minutes and drive 45 minutes home when they've got homework and they could have been spending that time lifting. They could have been spending that time all hitting the entire time if they had, you know, someplace closer to their house. So we can take away the drive time, take away, um, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, it shouldn't just be like one lesson a week and that's all that's the only hitting you do. Work wins. That's, that's our big thing. By definition, not everybody can be above average. And once you master that, 
you know, realization and can get that across to parents, you know, that their kid, you know, he just doesn't want it as badly as you want him to want it. Like, I'm sorry. Like if he did, he would be in the gym right now. Like he's not like your, your effort level dictate your, you know, will show off how badly you want it. So I, I I agree, man. Like it's, it's the work's got to be there. There's no, there's no secret sauce other than work. That's, that's unbelievably great advice. I'm so happy that we're on the same page. Like it's so, you know, like when I first found you online, like, the stuff that you were putting out, those little, like, I, I even never saw your face, never talked to you to everything, but the, the message that you're putting out, I'm like, this guy gets it right away. Totally knows. Yeah. He and I are going to figure it out. We're going to bond because I can <laughs> tell like the, 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 like Gary Vaynerchuk said, like he gives away his information because 99% of his execution, because he just doesn't think people are going to execute. And that's the same thing I run into all the time. Like people, when, when they ask me, I like, I put a I put a little Instagram uh, story out today because I got six messages from kids today like hey will you check out my mechanics to see like how I can throw harder or what I'm doing wrong and it's always the same view it's from the side and I have no idea where the ball's going and I, so I send it back I'm like was it a strike then they go uh, I don't remember and I'm well how how am I supposed to help you throw a strike or throw harder if you don't even know if it was a strike. And then they come back, well, oh, was there anything you can see, this and that? And I'm like, totally understand. Like, I understand what you're trying to tell me, but you also need to understand that if you're not throwing strikes, then there's something else going on. There. Like, I don't know what else. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you didn't sleep enough. You know, all kinds of things that are causing the issues here. So that's, you know, that's why I put all this stuff out on YouTube because I know there's not a lot, like, there's this big want to withhold information on stuff. But yet when I come down here to Mexico or I talk to guys that are in Dominican Republic or, or Venezuela and everybody's helping everybody, you know, it's like when you, when I see videos of my buddies that are in the, or for example, in Venezuela and they're in the off season and, and then they're throwing a bullpen, there's 50 other pro athletes there all working together, helping this one guy, you know, oh, throw here, this is what you're doing, you know, and that community is so awesome and great. But here in the States or, you know, you go back to the States, it's a one-on-one, you know, it's, it's a, oh, I got to go find a team, you know, or got to find the next tournament. And there's just no, the training, the same thing's not there. I mean, people ask me, you know, I, I get, I hear from people all the time, like, why do Dominicans and Venezuelans and Mexicans and all these Latin guys throw hard? And it's literally because that's all they try to do all year. They, they, they understand training. When the season's over, they don't take six weeks off. There's none of that. It's the season's over. I have winter ball in two months. What do I do? Maybe I take a little time off from throwing, but I start doing my bands and I'm running and I'm lifting. Right. And then I start playing catch. You know, I mean, I was telling you earlier, I spent 10 months in Mexico from a summer season and a winter season. And I was thinking about how much time I took off from actual throwing, not pitching, not max effort throwing, not long toss and throwing. And I want to say it was like, maybe five days. And I think that was from like traveling from like the season being over, getting caught up. Okay. Uh, I've got to go do these things. Got to get to this place. And then as soon as I got there, the first thing I did is, is start throwing. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, me seeing all the drive, the stuff on driveline, uh, big fan of, of them putting out their stuff. But I found this other company, you know, that, that makes these balls, uh, owed specialties. And the biggest thing that I was so impressed with, with doing some of these exercises and everything is I didn't need someone to throw with. So as soon as I got back, 
I just started crushing, just throwing this ball, this soft little ball, up against the wall and understanding, okay, start figuring out what does my body feel? What does my arm feel when I'm doing this? Okay, does it feel okay? Okay, start doing these other techniques with these scap loads, these pivot throws, you know, to really unload and do everything. And once I saw that, I was like, oh my God, like, I don't need a throwing partner anymore unless I'm working on a bullpen or in a game situation. Now, <laughs> being 31, you know, one of the big things is good for me to go over to San Diego and then I get to throw in some of these adult league games, which facing batters is a whole other thing. Not worrying about the skill level, but actually getting into competition, getting on the mound and unloading and going from there. I think that that's, that speaks for itself, you know, trying to win things, like no matter what I'm going to do, like my girlfriend gets mad at me all the time because like, she's like, you're so competitive. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I can't turn that off. Like there's, Z. if I turn that off, I'm done. Like there is, there is like whatever I do in, in, in anything, I'm going to try to win. Like, and she's, you know, she, we, we played a little game of horse and, and with her, with her, um, her neighbors. And, and I was, it was serious. Like, I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm trying to win this thing, you know? And, and so once people figure out that part of it, that I, I think that if you, if you understand what winning is and how to train and, and like taking time off for an injury is one thing, but taking time off because you had a long season, like, you know, I run into that issue all the time with people sending me stuff. So, you know, it's, it, you know, it speaks wonders, you know, that you're, you're saying almost the same thing. It's a, you know, obviously you're a hitter, you know, so you're working on the hitting stuff like that where people are going year round, working on all that stuff. And that's just why I wanted to get this information out there and put it out there. It's because, you know, people, I hear, you know, I'm, I'm from a red state in Florida and I hear it all the time. They're like, oh, why do, why do all the, the uh, Latin guys, you know, get all the jobs in baseball and this and that. And I'm like, their only option. It's the only thing that they do. That's it. There's no, it, you know, they might play a young, you know, a smaller season at age 12, but the nine months out of the year that leading up to that, they're throwing, they're hitting, they're running, they're lifting, they're doing everything, they're doing agility, they're doing everything that they can do in their situation, and that's why they're better. They spent more time focused on what they're doing, you know, and that's, I try to push that through to everybody, and oh, little Johnny's got to go play football. You know, and oh, he separated his shoulder. You know, it was a good play, though. You know, he caught the ball, but, he, you know, separated his throwing shoulder. And now he's, you know, now he can't play. I'm like, all right, well, well Johnny's going to be playing football from now on. Like, that's all he's going to be doing. Like, because you separate that shoulder, that AC joints, it's a little extended. Like, it's only a matter of time before that labrum goes. You know, you, I don't know if you played football, but you never know, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. That's, and it's tough to say, too, like, I, I don't know what your viewpoint on it is, um, you know, for kids to specialize too early in what they want, because it's the same thing for other sports. So for me, like, I'm a baseball guy, right? Or so are you, obviously. Um, you know, but if you're 12 years old, and you like all three sports, which one do you pick? I mean, I, I don't know, which one do you want it more? Do you are you mature enough at that age to say, hey, I want to go to town on baseball? Or you mature enough to say, hey, I want to go to town on football and I want I want my 40 time to be insane and I want to, you know, look like Rob Gronkowski and, you know, I want or I want to be a quarterback and that's what I'm going to, you know, be my skill set. Or is it I'm going to be a pitcher, um, you know, because as you know, you know, we we can change our mind and maybe not from baseball, but I'm sure there's other things that as you got older, you know, different, even if it was just which college to choose. Um, what major to major in college, there's all kinds of things, um, you know, that, that happens. So how do you, how do you personally help a kid who's anywhere from 12 to 
14, kind of before that high school range where like, then the next goal is varsity, then the next goal is college, um, you know, pick which, which sport they should focus on if it's all about training and work and things like that. Um, Cause I'm with you there where that's probably where I struggle the most is being able to encourage somebody to either spend less time playing baseball because they really want to be a three-point shooter and they need to be like Michael Jordan and just stay up till three or four in the morning shooting from the same spot all day long and they're back in their driveway or whatever, or they need to not do that and they need to be hitting off the tee till three, four in the morning. And, and that's obviously an exaggeration, but um, just cause like that's everything I'm about, right? Like if you want it, work, work's going to win. And uh, that's, it, it's, it's not for me to say that everybody should be a baseball player, um, so what do you, what do you do when you have clients, you know, like that, like, do you challenge them to, Hey, you really just don't want baseball that badly, or, you know, maybe you should think something else or how, how do you dictate or how do you help people make that decision? Awesome question. So excited. You said that because I, especially like I said, I'm from the South. We're a seasonal town where we go from football, basketball, baseball. Um, I was actually, my dad it really helped me understand real quick that, I, my dad played basketball a little bit. Actually, neither one of my parents very played sports um, officially. I think my dad was like a pickup game kind of thing. More of a surfer, military brat all over the place, but athletic. Um, for me personally, dropped, base, dropped basketball on a very funny story where a guy who went to the University of Alabama uh, who holds all their receiving records uh, at the age of 11 playing a nine-foot goal crossed me over and dunked over my head. Uh, in a game, and I remember telling my dad after that, not quite sure if I like basketball anymore, um, because he was, it was very quick and obvious to me that he was a, it was another, he was another breed, like, I couldn't do that, I, I, you know, I could jump, I could jump, I could box out, I could shoot, you know, but he changed the game when he jumped over me, like, literally, like, Allen Iverson back in the day, you know, put the move on me and like shorts over the face. I was confused. I, I even asked the ref, like, was that some kind of foul? Is there anything, you know, I don't even know if that's, can he do that? Is, are you allowed to jump over someone, you know? Um, so for me personally, it was there. And I think it comes down to the parents and the player being honest with what they want. If little Johnny is um, spending all his time on Instagram watching basketball videos, then it's obvious to me he wants to play basketball. If little Johnny's watching highlights on MLB Network, then, you know, at age 12, whatever they're doing, I think it's just being in, in, in an honest communication with the kid and the parents and, and maybe even getting the kid alone. I try to get the kid away from the parent immediately, like when we're doing lesson, because he opens up, we have a little fun. You know, I'm a big believer, especially in training and what we're doing mechanics. I want this kid, I trick him. I don't know if you do this, but... I look, Dad. Go sit over here. You put your music on right here. Not too loud, just so we can have something while we're working on stuff. I want your music to be played so you feel comfortable, so I can get into your psyche and understand how you think, what's going to help you succeed in what we're doing. You know, and so from there, if Johnny's a lefty right away, all right, you have the advantage in baseball. But how many lefty quarterbacks are in in basketball or in football? Excuse me. In football, not many. How many lefty shooters are there in in basketball? Percentage is kind of low, right? Are you, you know, are you? Do you have the height requirements to to meet it in in basketball than baseball? You know, if, if you're going to be a three point shooter, but you're five eight or five nine, I, I don't see that. 
if you know dad's six four six five, you think six four six five is big, go to an NBA game and look at the like. It's unbelievable how big those guys are. You know, like you like you're saying, preaching to the highest level and coaching to the highest level. I'm the same way. You know, I mean this. You know, you can kind of the height thing for me, the length. You know, I, I like to show guys metrics of that side of it. You know, um, uh, got a client back in Florida. Uh, for example, uh, committed to Vanderbilt, started working with me. Uh, I picked him up freshman year. He was uh, 81 to 83, but already like 6'2". And um, I took him in probably two years up to 91. And then uh, obviously me leaving and planning and going back, like you were saying before, getting video sent, get a lot of video sent over me. He recently touched 94. He's not even in his senior season yet. And he's already, you know, 93, 94. Um, and, you know, great example of someone who's working on something, goes to um, goes to another guy, kind of changes what's not necessarily wrong for someone, but if you're throwing 92 to 94 at 17 years old, there's absolutely no reason to change this. Unless, and even then, if you're throwing 1994 and you're all over the map, for me personally, that just tells me that it's timing. Like, the, I don't want to mess with the mechanics. So, you know, this same kid, he, he let, you know, I was getting great updates. He's 91, 92, throws in front of Vandy. Vandy's got him verbally committed. I got a call literally before I left, leave to come down here in February. Hey, he's 85. I'm like, huh? Is he hurt? What happened? You know, and that was a great example, too, before I left, too, where I talked to um, the dad, and I go, look, he's the star quarterback. I get it. He could be a first rounder if we get him 96. I'm I'm just being 100% honest with you. He's jumped. He has the frame. Like I'm, and I showed him like, look, here's his wingspan. Here's his height. Here's his weight. Here's someone at his height, his weight, in the draft, throwing 93. Okay, the guy went in the third round. What do you, like, we're talking about money now. We're talking about scholarships. We're talking about a lot. We're talking about a lot of money. Okay. All right, I understand football's a thing. I want to say maybe two weeks of me having a conversation. Kid rolls out, gets hit while he's throwing, shows up to a lesson because he's dedicated. Now, you know, the kid gets it, plays his game, plays his game on Friday. Sunday, we work some kind of like strengthening some things, want to keep the arm speed up, keep the, because he still goes and plays showcase stuff during football season because he's, I don't, crazy, whatever. Kid shows up like this, throwing shoulder up to the ear. And I go, you all right? He's like, yeah, why? I'm like, shoulder hurt? He's like, oh, I mean, I got hit in football, but you know, I told me it was a stinger. And I go, but your shoulder's up to here, man. Like, should we? So I kind of helped him manipulate it, whatever, starts throwing, and just immediately starts having trap issues up in the scap, some front shoulder issues. And I'm like, pulled that aside. I'm like, look, this is, you know, I'm just being honest. I'm, of course, I'm going to root for baseball, but he's got to pick one. You know, like, what's his passion? And he's like, well, why don't you talk to him? So we go for a walk and talk to the kid, and he's 100% into baseball. And, you know, us being a huge football area that the whole school even tried to guilt trip. Oh, you're, gonna let, you're, you're letting the team down, you know, this and that. And eventually you just got to understand it's just not about that. It's not like playing high school athletics is not going to get you paid. Like it is to a point, like Mike Trout did it, but that's not even why Mike Trout – was a first rounder. 
Like he was a first rounder because he had the metrics, he was doing this and that. And then when he played against the competition in those tournaments and everything away from high school, that's where people started saying like, oh, this guy's got something, you know? So I'm so against high school athletics nowadays because of everybody's pulling against each other and contradicting what they're saying. It's just not even fair to the kid because if you're really thinking about it, if you're, you know, if you're trying to break into the professional aspect of it, you know, if you're going to say specialization, how come you can specialize in football and do football all year and nobody says anything? You can specialize in basketball all year and nobody says anything. But at the minute you want to specialize in baseball, we get doctors and people writing articles about, oh, he's spending too much time. You're looking for athletes, uh, you know, who are, are multiple sports and this and that. And it's just, I just don't think it's fair to, to the kid. Maybe this kid doesn't want to play baseball and he's good enough. You know, but he's a big kid and they would want to push him to football. You know, I mean, that's just my, my thoughts on it and how your question to me. And I've, I've actually, like I said, four or five times I ran into the same issue where, you know, you just have to be honest with the, with the parent and the kid on their ability level and then what their skill sets are better. At. You know, I've, I've gone to a basketball game and a football game and just been like, you want my, you want my honest opinion? You're a better baseball player. That's my opinion. Or you're a better, you know, and I've turned kids down too. Like, look, I see that your wallpaper on your phone is University of Auburn football. You know, that's probably not a good thing for me to see if you're coming to me for lessons for baseball. So I, I understand. Like, I don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste my time. Like, I got plenty of stuff I can do, you know. So that's that's my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, especially, you know, the seasonal stuff is definitely pushed. Um, we have a lot of private schools around here that really push it and it helps drive enrollment. You know, like if you play two sports, you get X amount of scholarships and that's just at the, at the private high school level. Um, but my thing is, is like, if you're going to do it, like do it all, right? If you're going to be a multi-sport athlete, be a multi-sport athlete all year. Don't be a single sport athlete three times out of the year. You know, you got to make time for what you're going to do. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, I think just being realistic and, you gotta, you gotta know what you want, right? It's if you don't know what you want, how do you know what you're gonna, you know, where you're gonna go? You don't have a path. So um, that was, that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, I mean, high, your comment on high school athletics, I could, I could have a whole nother, uh, whole nother, another thing about, you know, Coach Joe, who, uh, you know, is a math teacher and a science teacher, and he's learning all the latest chemistry stuff, and he's keeping up with you know, trying to, you know, learn titrations and, uh, you know, he's got a, he's got a lesson plan. He's got to, uh, be a dad and a husband and he's got to be a baseball coach. He's got to schedule buses and write practice plans. And he's got to, uh, you know, figure out uniforms and he's got to figure out rosters. And he's got to figure out eligibility. He's got all this stuff in this plate, but now all of a sudden he wants to be a player developer too, and not just a game manager. And it's like, Hey, you get your stipend, you know, you, these kids haven't been with you all off season because your workout program was terrible. You never had any supervision in the weight room. Uh, you never, your open gyms were, you know, here's a T and a gym floor and figure it out. And, you know, they go and they get their training elsewhere. They go get the work done and, 
you know, they, it's just, then they try to change it all. All of a sudden February rolls around here and the end of February and it's, Hey, what are you doing with your swing? You know, you didn't do that last year. Well, you're right. My exit velocity is, you know, 10 miles an hour higher than it was last year. My launch angle is better. And um, I'm going to hit a lot better for you this year. And it's, you know, before they even see them swing first swing on the tee, like, no, 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 like that's not right. Like, let the kids play, man. Like you're, you're a chemistry teacher, bro. Like, um, and, and that's not to say that like every high school coach is terrible, right? Like there's some that do it full time and are awesome and are great, but I think you got to be self-aware and know, know where your strengths are. You know, are you just doing it because you've been doing it the same way the last 15, 20, 25, 30, 45 years, or are you actually like actively trying to make your players better or make your team better and just to have it be a game management situation. Man, I could, I, I could go on forever about high school. Athletics. I think that's in every sport too. You know, like you wear too many hats. It gets, it gets too chaotic. Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, that that's so funny. You said that I uh, reminds me of, uh, uh, I had a conversation with a, a buddy of mine. I uh, hope I have more podcast, Jake Fox, former big leaguer. And we were just talking about the same kind of thing. Like it hit him when he was in the big leagues with the Cubs. Um, like just, just having a conversation with somebody, I don't remember what we were talking about. And he was just like, where are the best, I'll ask you, because he asked, where are the best baseball coaches in the world? Where do you think they are? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I would assume, it, it, see, I, I would have answered this differently a couple, a couple weeks ago. So a couple weeks ago, I would have said, would have said big leagues. And after some in, like after some recent information i probably, probably in the in the private sector of the most like um not because that's where i am but because i learned that even in the big leagues a lot of information has to trickle up before it trickles down so not every big league team is doing the most modern stuff they're doing, you know, they're building their farm system up. So they have to, you know, make drastic changes before they do it. But like the Cardinals, this is, this is where I read this information. The Cardinals just recently revamped their weight room and their, uh, you know, their training facility. And they, they redid it in a way that's much more conducive to better training, um, better recovery and better rehab. And that was just in the way that it was structured. So they can, all those people could work together. They weren't even having all their like, other people that were doing things to these players work together in, as like a unit, um, which is crazy to me. Cause like the Cardinals have like the Cardinal way and, and whatnot. And like Louisville, not, I mean, they're the Cardinals too, uh, which is ironic. Uh, but Louisville down there, I mean, they've been doing that, you know, forever. They've got their baseball field then right across the street. They've got this big building with doctors and athletic trainers and their baseball facility inside that building underground. Like everybody's working together, but it's like a big league team up till 2017 to revamp it and figure it out. So it's, I, I would, I don't know. I don't know. I'd probably say somewhere in the private sector. So I'm not really sure where your, uh, what you, what answer you were looking for, but a couple weeks ago, before I read that article, I probably would have said the big leagues. Okay. So, but generally we could at least say the people. Okay. I, I, I personally say that I understand your argument too, what you were saying. But I do believe that there's a difference between a big league coach and a high school coach. Can we say that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So just, just even on that. So let, we'll just say generic. We could say professional baseball, right? We could say because professional baseball, professional instruction. That's what we could say, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a way better way to put it. That's so much simpler. Do simple better. That was, way, that was a way more clean answer. 
Yeah, exactly. Because that's because I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, well, I do know about information, blah blah blah, and I and I get it. Okay, so then we could at least go to the second and third and fourth best coaches, what you could rank, right? They're still in that professional area, right? Yeah. So we don't even get to the college area till I don't know, maybe 50, 100. There might be a couple guys plus and minus, right? You know, in your coach fantasy draft of best coaches, you know, whatever you're going to do from there. But high school coach. And if, you're, if it is your high school coach, he's probably got too much on your plate, you know what I mean? And you should be getting better, better information going up. And that's one of the things that I think I should have done better on some of the colleges that I went to is I should have – learned more and done more research about the coaches that I were, was giving me information, you know? And, and so that's one of the things I want to put out to the kids. Like if you've got a high school coach that's never or won or whatever, like, or, you know, or his abilities weren't there, like he's going to be, he might be a little bit hard to, for him to convey the message of trying to get there. But in the same sense, like you're saying, there's other people that are out there that have, better knowledge or better communication skills of, of, of trying to get across a message. That's why you keep seeing the, you know, in, in college baseball, it's hard because, you know, you do have those big programs, but it's a much easier analogy to look at your, your college basketball where you got your Coach K's and your other guys, you know, your other programs that are constantly getting these guys and turning them into NBA stars. And I think it's way better to analyze a coach on perfect, turning that college athlete into a professional athlete longer than it is to measure them on championships because that's not necessarily you winning a championship in college is not going to get you paid all the time you know you win a conference championship probably not going to get you paid when NCAA you know uh, you know a, an overall world series championship in college that's probably going to get you attention but it's probably going to give you attention more to the coach rather than it is to the player you know it's still going to be put on your velocity, your, you know, your attributes more than anything. So that's one thing that I, you know, but we got a quality little banter going here, you know, with everything. So it's just funny to me how, you know, people don't look at things in the Gary V way. The way, like I immediately after finding him and started looking at my own self and how I've been preparing and training and this and that, it really started making more sense. Uh, I even heard uh, Nick Saban has his secretary, um, schedule out his days in 15 minute increments. He's at seven, he's down to seven minute increments. Like, so that's how, uh, how much he understands time and meetings and whatever he's doing is important to, to what he's trying to do to succeed. And if you even, if you could break yourself down, like how much do you think you could get more done, especially if you were planning it all out? Yeah, absolutely. Um you you get a lot more done uh, especially in this you know social media era where um it might not be if you're trying to cram something in seven minutes you might not be perfect with everything but you'd be on offense all the time right you'd be you'd be constantly um you know you and i met over instagram you know i'd probably spend way too much time on trying to make my post cool rather than uh getting more out and I have an interesting status on, I think it's my Facebook, uh, something from like back in the fall, when I stopped like trying to calculate the ROI, like on everything, the return on investment, the return on this post, the return on this ad, the return on, you know, this video or whatever. And I just started putting out cool stuff. 
and I did it quicker and faster and it, I, I got way more attention. I got more, you know, more people were coming to me and saying, Hey, like, I didn't know you were doing this stuff and versus me trying to be so meticulous about it. So yeah, I mean, it was seven, if you got seven minutes to do something and you just put out more and you do more, it doesn't always have to be perfect. Like that's, that's great. Like your meeting can, you know, as long as you get the concepts down and you, you get more work in, you get more stuff done. You're more productive over, over being busy. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and to turn it into the uh, baseball training side, uh, when I, you know, um, I haven't done the drive line program, you know, we see all the, you know, the exercises and stuff online and just using those weighted balls and stuff. And once I started understanding what really is going to build my arm strength and put it all together and getting overall reps and started counting my stuff, I started getting way more reps in on what I was trying to do, just throwing up against the wall, not needing a throwing partner, and executing my plan and listening to my arm. You know, I really, I don't want to put out a plan on, on what I recommend people to do, but, you know, because I'm not, I haven't really sat down and done the experimenting and, and the research and things that I need to do on myself. But I do tell people this is what I did and reps and stuff like that. But, you know, I'll tell you right now, when I was at 100%, training before I reported to my spring training down here and stuff, I was getting four or 500 throws in, like literally four or 500 throws in. And just thinking about that, the amount of time that I was doing it, it was only taking me maybe an hour to an hour and a half. Now, I understand that that seems like a lot, but in the exercise that I was doing, the amount of stress I was putting on my arm, I had never done that amount of throwing and got that much return on my shoulder and understanding me, you know, doing this long enough, I can feel and understand when my shoulder's tired, when my elbow's tired, if there's an issue, if there's any pain on everything. And I saw so much more return on velo increase, overall everything increase, endurance increase, arm health. And then taking that to getting here, that, I, that I'm really excited. It's almost like the devil's advocate because I didn't have a lot of time. Probably had six weeks in between my winter and when I started my season here. Um, and so... That, and just that amount of time, I was able to gain everything back that I lost. I absolutely blew it all out in the playoffs. We lost in the finals of game six. What are you going to do? You know, I, I led the league in – I was either first or second in the league in appearances um, for the winner, and then in playoffs, I was first or second in, play, in appearances too. So just by me having that routine, going through all the stuff, doing all my stuff, I can at least just tell someone, look, this is how I did it, and it worked great for me, you know. And I, you know, this is, these are the things that I looked for when my arm felt good, you know, the velocity, what I was trying to do with everything. So it's, it's more of a hands-on experience thing with that. But just thinking about if, if I were to throw or with a partner or long toss with someone, I would not be able to get that. I might be able to get one fourth, I might be able to get like 100 to 150 throws in a long toss situation in that hour and a half time frame. And just understanding, putting that with my training and everything that I was doing, I was like, I was way more efficient with my time. You know, fortunately, the gym that I, have, that I work out in, I have a racquetball room and a, and a basketball gym and a full gym. And it's awesome. It's open 24 hours. So, you know, scheduling my workouts and, um, you know, having a workout partner, my girlfriend's doing fitness stuff. And so she'd get off work and then we'd go to the gym at like 1030. And there's nobody in the basketball room, nobody in the racquetball room. I just go in there flip on a little Drake, you know, put some Biggie Smalls yeah. on, put some music, do what I got to do. And I'm just, just rocking it. Just, wow, just letting the ball fly in there, doing what I got to do. And it's a controlled environment. And, you know, I'm just having fun doing what I got to do. And, you know, people that follow me on there, see, I put 
um, videos out all the time. You know, what people don't know is a lot of those videos are shot at midnight. You know, I'm, I'm done my full day, did my lessons, do, you know, already been to the gym, do what I got to do, and then I'm in there throwing, you know, so to make sure that I got my everyday training and stuff like that. So, you know, I just wanted to share that with you, you know, and, and your guys. Um, brings me to a, a question. At your facility in Chicago, do you guys have a, a arm program, a throwing program that you guys follow, or do you got a pitching guy or a throwing guy that you guys do up there? Yeah, so we um, we actually had uh, we put a program together with a strength and conditioning coach um, this past winter called we called it Velo Nation um, in terms of uh, what we were doing there. We had about uh, twelve to thirteen players um, at the high school uh, level jump on board. We didn't do anything lower than uh, thirteen years old. We had one kid who was fourteen um, do it, and it was basically a uh, they would come in they would work out, they would throw, they had their light days, their recovery days, their intensity days, um, and everything like that. And then our strength coach would evaluate them and kind of say like, Hey, this person's ready for, for this, but we focus a lot on flexibility on the plyo aspects and the legs. Um, and then just having them learn how to, you know, clear their hips and, um, you know, allow that, allow that easy chain uh, or e easy sequencing in the shoulder so they weren't, put, weren't putting too much pressure on um, on their arms. So the coolest thing for that was having the kids come back and say, you know, getting the text messages, hey, like, you know, we just played our first tournament and um, or we just played our first week of games and everybody's complaining about arm soreness except for me, um, you know, everybody. So they were not only more conditioned as they eased into their throwing. It wasn't like they took the whole winter off and then able to do it. And that started, uh, we started that up in January, but we were having kids throw and play catch and just, you know, basically get back into it after fall ball, um, November and December, Christmas kind of everybody kind of took off except for the, the hard nosed guys who wanted to stay in. And we obviously, when, when hard goes, when hard nosed guys want to get working, like that's when we work. So like, we don't take any time off as, as like trainers, as you know. Um, so if players want to take off or, uh, you know, they've got, they've got their other stuff that they're doing. Um, you know, there's always somebody wants to get working. So there's always, there's always a place for us to go, um, you know, to show up and, and make an impact. So, um, but yeah, back to your question in terms of that. Yeah. We called it Velo Nation. Uh, we had uh, the three of us doing it um, from there, but it was all just easy sequencing, um, mainly throwing more than pitching. Like we really didn't do like, pitching stuff with it we did it was all just like arm conditioning arm strength uh, we had everything from outfielders to catchers to pitchers that all kind of came in there a lot of decelerator muscles a lot of reverse throw some of the um, you know similar concepts to driveline but probably not as intense with the weighted ball stuff especially for guys who um, really weren't conditioned with a five ounce ball um, you know, before we started doing that. Now, that being said, like, I love everything Driveline does to you. We brought them up before. I love their videos. I think they've got a lot of good concepts. The, the thing that I think can get scary with it um, and what people don't understand is there's two sides of the coin with weighted balls, right? There's, there's a side that says nobody should use weighted baseballs. They're dangerous. They're risky. They're crazy. And then you have the side of like weighted baseballs are totally okay. You know, they're not a big deal. They're not going to get you hurt. And it's really like anything else, like Olympic lifting, right? You know, Olympic lifting is great for baseball players. Like I think anybody who's at a high level knows that. But when you see a 14, 15, 16-year-old kid trying to perform an Olympic lift and he's not ready for it, 
because he hasn't prepared because he just wants to walk in the, in the weight room and put 245 plates or 245 pound plates on a barbell and try to deadlift it and curl his back and hurt himself. Yeah. That's not good for that player. Like, so to me, like weighted baseballs are the same. Like if your body's not ready for it, then it can get definitely dangerous. But the cool thing a driveline does is that you're there every day. If, if I, if I've read their post right and I've, I've kind of followed what they do. It's a, it's a seven day a week thing. And you're there, you have your recovery days, your off days, your, uh, your soft tissue days, your high intensity days, your accuracy can command days. You have everything built into a full system program. It's not just like, Hey, here's a weighted ball program and throw on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And okay, ready. You're done. You're going to have velocity now. Yeah, exactly. It's a, I totally, it's a seven day a week thing. That's, that's what I do like about what driveline puts out with everything is that they, you know, a lot of people think it's just weighted balls, but I, their facility, you know, you, if you really, it does take a minute for you to go through and, and get through all the awesome slow motion stuff that they do on their throwing stuff. Um, but it, it's a, you know, you see the weight room. If, if you, if you can see the guys, there's a weight room behind the cage. There's a uh, physical therapist there doing massage stuff. You see some, um, a bunch of recovery stuff with, uh, they do kind of like, a, I think they have a version of a flush band thing and then they have their own, uh, the narco, uh, narco, it's funny. Um, Norco or whatever the, the ice pressure thing is that they have in there. So a lot of great stuff um, in there. And that's why, you know, I don't ever have time because I'm just still playing to really have my own facility. But whenever I do, I want to make sure that it's a all intensive sort of thing. And I, I love what you did about the, um, the arm care thing for everybody because, you know, I think everybody wants to hit the ball farther, be stronger. But I think one of the things, even in position players, that is lacking is arm strength and arm health that you were preaching in there too. You know, uh, I think that um, you know a lot of the stuff that I've done too, and some of the future things that I'd like to work on when I get back to San Diego is getting you know even just position players. You know, because you know teaching position players arm strength techniques and strategies and and how to listen to your arm. You know, and understand that when you throw a baseball, it should not hurt. Like, that's one thing that I have to preach all the time to people. Like, you either, there's a couple things that you didn't warm up right, you didn't stretch enough, or, you know, something's inflamed or they're causing problems. But the, you know, maybe the area that I'm from is such a big thing that people are like, oh, um, um, no, that's just what happens. Sometimes it hurts. Like, no, it's not. That's not what should, it should not be that way. Like, I understand that biomechanically throwing is not a motion that should happen. But if you do the things you're supposed to do, you should not have any pain. It shouldn't be a thing. Now, I understand afterwards there's a, you know, an exhaust period where, you know, you're tight, you're sore, there's stuff like that. But you know, even then, like, if you understand flexibility and tenacity and how building up um, resilience, I think that's one thing that with all the throwing even you're talking about you're doing where, where your kids are, that kid you were talking about that was went to play their first week of games and he didn't have any issues. I think resilience of arm is such a big thing that is, that is underrated because you know, like myself, I'm throwing all year round. I'm able to keep my velocity up and it's because I'm doing these things of playing catch of throwing and doing all these things all year, all the time, every day that, that really are allowed me to be successful and do what I'm doing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, and even as like a D1 draft pick, you know, you go and all of a sudden are not D1 draft pick, D1 recruit, you know, and, or draft pick, either one, um, you know, your D1 recruit or you get drafted and, and all of a sudden, you know, 
you're a freshman and they're expecting you to start as a freshman throwing 94, 93 or whatever it is and build your velocity up to, you know, 96, 97 by the time you're a junior and you get hurt you're just a machine, man. Like they can talk about red shirting and bringing you back. And uh, some of these coaches are, are really care about their players. But at the end of the day, like if they need to find a way to cut your scholarship, free up some money and get a guy who's going to be healthy in there, like you're just a machine, like to help the, help the team win. Like they, they, you see it all the time, man. Like it's, it's, it's almost scary because when you put all your eggs in one basket, if you haven't prepared the right way, you know, you spent your whole life working and you just didn't have the information to know, like, hey, I needed to take care of my arm better. So all those hours in the gym, all those bullpens, all those long toss sessions, everything I did to, to focus on velocity and not recovery or focus on, you know, max effort, and not recovery. And now, you know, I'm in the fall season of my you know college career and I'm ready to go and baseball's my whole life. And, you know, I'm, I don't know what major I'm only here for baseball and I don't even care about the majors and all of a sudden, boom. You know, you're trying to figure out your gen eds and your rehab, and now the coach is like, ah, you weren't really worth it. So they figure out, you know, ways around that. And, like, if you can redshirt and come back, that's great. But if you can't, tough luck. Yeah, I, I totally – that's beautiful. I, I Outstanding information because I have to explain to people all the time, like, you may have a year scholarship, but that does not mean you're going to be at that school, you know, for four years. Or two years, you know, depending. I was a junior college and then a four-year guy, and so it was. It was, you know, I was. I was told twice in my career that I would never be a professional baseball player. Like literally, I had coaches. One coach told me I was too smart to play baseball. Another coach told me that I was faking it. There was nothing wrong with my arm. Like people, that's and and it's just. I get it now. Like now, being on the other side, like I try to tell parents all the time: Look, use car salesmen. They just want you. You know, they want you to perform now. Like the a couple of years, uh, I think we had like four Tommy John surgeries, and and uh, when I was there, and like those guys, looking back at what they did was, you know, there was okay, go to the training room, but you know, you're going to a, a college training room where there might be one or two people that really know about basic rehab stuff, but no one in that training room has played baseball and understands what you have to do in order to stay on the field. You know, like it's just oh, this is the protocol. Okay, I get it. But you have this athlete who's, like you said, trained his whole life to get to this point. And now something is inhibiting from there that, you know, putting ice and stem on it may not be enough. You know, we, there's a couple other things that we got to do, you know, to really maximize what we're going to do to get there. You know what I mean? Yeah, the old ice and stem trick. Oh, man, that's uh... – that's great. Or the, uh, the ultrasound with the gel, man, load up the elbow with some gel. It'll, it'll figure it out. But <laughs> the ultrasound. Like that was such a thing. Like I did so much research that in college where I was just like, is this even do I don't feel anything. And they're like, no, it's on the cellular level that it's, you know, it's heating up the mitochondria in the cell and thus it's, you know, going to repair it quicker. I'm like, all right, well, I wake up tomorrow and I still hurt. So I don't know exactly if this is working or not. I couldn't tell you. So, I was always told instant pain management. That was that was all it was. Is is pain management, and then you had the ultrasound. That was like that heat stuff or whatever. And uh, it was I never bought into it. But then you know the this. I think what's crazy now is, and I don't know. This is probably a, a good question for you. Is ice because I was a huge icer in terms of you know getting the shoulder. We had this crazy. Uh, we had this crazy. Um, you know thing that like wrapped around your arm and it was like you know went in the freezer had these little gel packs and whatnot um 
and then in terms of like the recovery stuff, more, more information has come out. You know, the joke is ice is for beverages, not arms. But to me, like, uh, <laughs> if you're trying to, if you're inflamed, the ice would be good to obviously like it's an anti-inflammatory, but from a recovery standpoint is like the heat actually does more to create blood flow and new and generate new blood flow to actually recover. So how do you manage ice and heat or just ice or just heat? Awesome question. Glad you said this because I run into this issue all the time. I'm in an old school environment right now where as soon as a guy gets off the mound, he's icing. Um, I have not iced in three to five. I couldn't even tell you last time I, to be honest with you. Like it's been, uh, you know, the only time I think I ever have iced really is somewhere where I was like, I was kind of worried, maybe got in my head a little bit about it. But once I understood more about resilience of uh, and endurance of muscles, I think, like I said, under an underrated um, attribute is resilience, is is being able to. And this is something I got from um, a Japanese guy that played with us this year, where they throw so much, and it makes sense. Like if you if you train to throw 200 pitches, you know, or max effort throws of 200, but you only throw 100 in a game, but you've built up to that, the resilience of that arm is going to be able to handle it. So I'm not an ice guy. I'm a big, uh, I like, I, I've done a lot of research on the, the uh, flush band, which is, deals with the fascia, uh, which is the netting that goes around the arm and the body. Um, if you get a knot, I'm a big massage guy. The, the thing what I really started doing that I noticed when I was throwing every day in winter ball was that if in the philosophy of your protein or your ice, within 30 minutes of throwing, obviously your body starts recovering, right? So if I can keep the muscles in my shoulder and my forearm limber and loose within that you know that 30 minute period it's going to have a better opportunity of uh, recovering and be ready to go for the next day uh, in me being a reliever in the winter I, I you know playoffs you got to be ready to go you know it's it, it's go time there's no you know we're talking about money here you win you win money that's what it is you know so um what i was actually doing was i was using my flush band on my elbow and my shoulder to kind of loosen it up and then i was getting a massage um up in my trap and my neck area uh, after breaking my elbow and then also having only nerve transposition surgery. Did a lot of research on that, understanding that if you can keep the muscles that travel around the nerves loose and limber, you're actually going to create less issues of getting tightness. So by me doing that, the night, the night up, the day up, like right after I get done throwing, I'm getting a massage and breaking all that stuff up. And then also doing, uh, I do my bands, I do J bands, I do all my exercises that night, like after I've thrown that night, maybe a couple hours later back in the hotel or apartment, wherever I'm at, doing it then. then and then the, the absolute final thing to the whole thing is when I get up in the morning. You get up in the morning, you've been stiff for a long time, the body's been in recovery mode, you feel bad, you, that's when you first start feeling tight. I do another set of bands and stretching because I want to, it's, it's like you're saying, it's heat. It's heating it up, but I think it's heating it up on your own, like doing a couple exercises, doing some holds and things. And I saw a huge increase in myself and some of the clients that I've helped out um, in, in doing that stuff and having recovery the next day. I mean, I threw 115 pitches on Sunday. Uh, we had a travel day on Monday. I went to the gym, worked out, and then I won't toss today. I won't toss for an hour. Like there's, and there's nobody on my team that does stuff like that. But I was able to do my weighted balls and do all other stuff and get all the exercises I am, and I'm fine. I could throw. Coaches here don't believe me, but I'm like, hey, I could, I could throw in the game tomorrow if you need me, you know. But it's you're on a rotation. You got to respect guys' jobs. 
But once I figure that out and understand when you have that resilience and the elasticity of that, that if you don't lose it by understanding how to keep it, then it's unbelievable how much more training you can do and how much better. I mean, let's, you know, after, like I said, I've been around so many Dominican and Venezuelan guys that are throwing 95 plus to 98, and I'm just asking, okay, what do you do? Okay, and I try it, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Getting blood flow to the area that's tired or sore, and now I feel better. Hmm. Okay, that's all right. It makes sense now, you know. So that's that's personally what I do. That's awesome. I can't wait to share some of that stuff with, uh, um, you know, with some of our guys, especially some of the younger guys who look for routines um, and don't necessarily have all the all the big, you know, ice packs and stuff that they want to, you know mom and dad don't know how to do it their high school trainers don't know how to do it they want to look like carrie wood at the end of the games and it's like that's it's way simpler than that you know it's way simpler than that so yeah. uh, that, that's good man because we uh we're we're huge j-band people too so um in terms in terms of that that's awesome but guys can hook up j-bands in the rooms and get a set for their bags and get a set for their locker and just have them everywhere because high school kids are goons and forget stuff so <laughs> I think I think it's baseball players because I've got four. I've got my heavy bands and then I've got my junior bands because I. That's the other thing is like I listen to my arm too. So like if my bands, um, if my like if if I'm feeling weak one day, like right after I throw, you know I would still want to get blood flowing. So I'll do a junior band, a lighter one, just to get it warmed up, you know, or, or do a set or two there. And then move to my heavier stuff. Jumping right into that heavy, you know, that heavy band. Sometimes you can you can have issues too. But like I said, it's not a lot of people start using logic from it. You you run into issues where you know they read protocols instead of going like, okay, well, you know, do I run into a gym and throw 315 on the bar and start squatting? No, you know, I, I work my way up to it, you know, and that's how I get there. And so, you know, that's really where I started changing my training and you know. Gary V, that guy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, okay. Well, uh, I think this is probably a good stopping point. We have we had a pretty good run so far. Um, Ryan, go ahead and tell everybody about your facility, where you're at, where they can follow you, um, and how they can get hold of you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we're, uh, our facility right now um, is called, uh, well, the place that I'm, I'm out of right now is a co-op facility. Um, it's called Bring It Sports here in St. Charles, Illinois. Um, my company's called Johansson Baseball. Um, big on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Johansson underscore baseball. It's Johansson with an E-N at the end, J-O-H-A-N-S-E-N underscore the word baseball. Um, I'll always follow you back if you want to send me direct messages or whatnot. I try to respond pretty quickly um you know as much as i possibly can want to interact with you guys get a bunch of comments things like that so it's a fun part about our our uh, our job is uh being able to build relationships and things so feel free to reach out um in any way and then my website's simple johansonbaseball.com awesome awesome that's good stuff dude i really appreciate you know i reached out to you what today i think i don't even remember it was this yeah. morning or whatever i mean i'm glad you know you were kind of active on there so i would figured you might be like a good one to go on you know get on there so um i appreciate it um once again uh check out my online store cutter nation shirts i got a bunch more stuff coming out i got a bunch more ideas uh, i got some ideas for you um also ryan uh he and i are talking about maybe doing a collab on some stuff we'll definitely get some things out there let everybody know um 
But one last thing, don't forget, throw hard. That's my thing. Just throw hard. You know, please just get out there, train, be smart, but throw hard. You got anything else, Ryan? Uh, I, no, I mean, I wasn't kidding, though. You got some cool shirts, so hopefully uh, you can get some of those Father's Day presents out there for anybody wondering uh, what to get their dads for Father's Day because uh, I put mine on my Father's Day list. Yeah. See, there's too many hitter shirts. This is why I started it because <laughs> yeah. there's so many, like, drop bombs, like, baseballism's got their whole thing, you know, and then there's the only, like, really a couple things where you see is, like, lefties and this and that. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of it. There's, there's half the game is pitchers. So someone's got to want some stuff, you know, some cool stuff. So, all right, guys, so I appreciate it. And if you got any questions, leave it in the comments below. Follow me, jsintes34. Um, if you got anything else, let us know. Uh, Ryan, let's do it again for sure. I mean, I'm sure we can answer some questions, get some other things involved. Absolutely. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. All right, man.